You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 246. And if you're ready to close more sales and enroll more clients, get ready to pull out your no. Our guest today is going to share with you how saying no is going to help you get more sales. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson here. And today we're talking about saying no, but in a whole new way, we're talking about how it can actually help you get more sales. Now, before I bring my guest on, I want you to imagine something for a moment. Imagine taking all of the wisdom, all of the expertise, all of the knowledge that you have gathered up to now and transforming it into consistent, predictable income literally a way to build your wealth as a highly paid authority. It's time to start monetizing what you know and get paid well to help others solve their biggest challenges. Those challenges that you were born to solve, the ones you know you are uniquely qualified to help people achieve goals and get where they want to go in life. Now, many service-based business owners are missing key pillars that cause them to seem invisible in their marketplace and get passed over when they know deep down inside they are the most logical choice, they are the best option. And ultimately that causes them and maybe you to struggle to get great clients. Now I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs add another six figures to their business annually and sometimes monthly. And I'd love to help you too. Get my roadmap at authorityamplifiers.com We've linked it up on the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, just scroll down to the bottom and look for the link, authorityamplifiers.com. And I will give you exclusive access to my How to Become a Highly Paid Authority Download and Masterclass. That's authorityamplifiers.com. Right now it's free. Head on over to get access to How to Become a Highly Paid Authority in your field, the Download and Masterclass. Now, Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. Today, I've got a really fascinating and fun guest. We're going to talk about how to push for no to close more sales. You're going to love today's episode. Let me introduce you to Stephen Hoffman, or as we are now going to call him, Captain Hoff, as he's called in Silicon Valley. He's the captain and CEO of Founderspace, one of the world's leading startup accelerators. He's also a venture investor, serial entrepreneur, and author of several award-winning books. These include Make Elephants Fly and Surviving a Startup. And now we are honored to have Captain Hoff join us right here on the Empire Success Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's wonderful to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I've been hearing so many amazing things about you. I was very excited for our chat today. And I know most importantly, our Amplify community is going to walk away with some amazing insights all about growing their business, right? Like you work with all kinds of different business owners you were mentioning in the green room. Exactly. So I work with literally hundreds of entrepreneurs a year. Some of them are at the super high tech, big capitalized, 
growth companies and others are small business owners who are really trying to figure out their business. Some of them are doing quite well. Others are struggling, but I come in at all stages. Hmm. And when you say you come in, what do you think is, I, I like to ask people all the time, like what's their business superpower? That thing that makes everything kind of have like magic in the work that you do. The thing that makes it magic with me is simply that I've seen so many companies. So first of all, I'm not just an advisor. I've done three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley. I did two bootstrap companies, smaller businesses myself. So I really understand uh, both sides of the coin, the side of being an advisor, the side of being an investor and the side of being an entrepreneur. And then over the past 20 years, I've been working with so many companies around the world solving these problems that a lot of times I can I know the solution. Like I've seen the person going through the exact same thing and I can help get I can help steer them out of the rut they're in. Hmm. That is a real gift to have because when you have perspective that someone else doesn't and you can see the trajectory they're on. Uh, helping them make a decision in the moment to pivot or make a new direction or make a better decision is one of the most valuable uh, resources you can have on your growth team, I, I think, personally. I do, too. I often say to entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter how hard you work. I mean, you could work 24 hours a day, never sleep, you know, just put everything into your company. But if you're going the wrong direction, you're never going to get to where you want to go. So mm. sometimes you need somebody to point out that you're not going the right direction. If you just changed a little, you would get on course and actually hit your goals. Yeah, well said. You know, you have so much experience. I'm wondering, like, what's the single most important thing an entrepreneur could do to transform their company? The most important thing you can do is get other people on board that have skills that you lack. So almost nobody is perfect, right? Nobody can do everything. And even if you could do everything for your business, you often just simply don't have time because if your business is doing well, you are exceptionally busy. So a lot of people will settle for whoever they can get. And I say, never settle. If you're going to bring somebody on your team and make them a part of your team, first of all, go for the very best person and do not just do not just take whatever is available. You might have to work really hard to find that right person, but put the work in. It pays off tenfold. And then when you get that person, literally reward them well, compensate them well. A great employee or a great partner is worth a hundred times more than a mediocre one. They just produce so, they transform your business. So that is the thing I would recommend. Uh, I think that's really great advice. Having gone through many teams over the 21 years of being in business and recently kind of doing some uh, team upgrades, we might call it, I know this one firsthand. Uh, there's nothing like that feeling of somebody who's like, I got it, and they actually do. And that's what you get when you when you hold out for the rock stars. So um, I'm so glad it you is amazing. That up. When you get the right person on board, you just hand them something and they, they do it and they, you don't have to help them. You don't have to push them. You don't have to watch over their shoulder. You don't have to worry. And often they will do it much better than you would have because that's what they're really good at. And the results, uh, they just, it pays off every single day of your business. Hmm. 
So you brought up this busyness and I know outsourcing and delegating and building a great team is one way to, to kind of move beyond some of that busyness. But let's talk about that high class problem. You've got a lot of stuff coming towards you. You've got a lot of opportunities. How does that translate to sales and this idea of saying no, pushing to the no to close more sales? So there are two ways that saying no works for you. Let me go over the first one and then we'll do the second one. So the first one is more obvious. The first one is when you have a lot of stuff coming at you, you literally can't execute on all the incoming leads at the same level. Now, what you need to figure out is which of these incoming opportunities will really move the dial. And you, need to, you, you have to have some metrics or some way of analyzing incoming leads or figuring it out at an early stage. So you should put in place a process when people call you up that you can drill down and quickly determine whether they are going to be one that pays off or they are going to be a time suck with very little pay. Now, I know a lot of business people out there and they try to treat every lead the same. They try to do, do a great job for everyone. I had a friend and he's running a consulting company and he would pride himself on doing the perfect job for every customer. And he was calling me up one day and say, this customer is a nightmare. This is, they're, they keep changing the, the plan, asking me for more. It never ends. And I was like, fire the customer, say no. Just say you don't wanna work with them anymore. Get rid of them, do it now. He couldn't do it, like he couldn't. So this went on for another six months until he came back to me and I said, fire the customer, just say no. He did it, boom, <laughs> he learned his lesson. Like his business got so much better when he started looking at customers, not that, that he needed them, but, but uh, they need him and he is going to choose who he does. So being very selective. And then there's the amount of payoff. Like certain, a lot of customers, they'll give you just a little bit. Um, you know, you might work just as hard for a small customer to service them, answer all their questions, get them up to speed, do whatever you have to do. That's for a very large customer that potentially would pay you so much more, both in the short run and in the long run. So I always say, in, you know, go for the big deals. Like, and if you don't have big deals on your table, what are the big deals you could imagine? What would be the ideal customer? Who could walk in the door and just make your business just go to the next level? Figure out that person and go after them. Don't just take whoever walks in your door. Like whoever walks in your door, it's easy to take them because they they need you, but you might not need them if you want to get if you want to reach your goals of doubling or tripling your sales and revenue and growing your business, that is my first rule. That's a great rule to have. <laughs> I think it, as we become busier and we have more of the right things working, we have to get, we have to raise our standards. I think that's what you're saying, right? Like we got to raise our standards and be willing to accept more and more of the best clients, not just any clients. Two things, raise your standards and not and only accept the better clients and just say no to everybody else. And then think about who is the ideal client, even better than you have today that you could go out and get. Who are those customers that, that would just make a huge difference in your business? Don't wait for them to walk in, pursue them like crazy. Mm, I love and then that. I have a third thing, and this is the real magic. Okay. So the third thing is when it comes 
to sales. So when you are selling, what I tell, uh, what I tell entrepreneurs out there is there are different strategies for selling. I used to be the absolute, and I'm not just saying this, the absolute worst salesperson you have ever met. Like I was super shy. I didn't know how to articulate anything. I would never ask for anything. I was just really awful and I was clueless. Well, I had the hardest time, as you could imagine, selling anything. Then I started to figure out simply by banging my head against a wall, like over and over and over, that I was doing everything wrong. And one of the things that I would do wrong is I would always be trying, saying yes, trying to please the customer, trying to get them to like me, trying to get them to like my product, you know, doing whatever they did. And a lot of these customers would, they would be undecided. Like I was going after a big corporate client or somebody else, and they would just be on the fence. They wouldn't know whether to go for me or go for somebody else, and they wouldn't make a decision. I would just spend a lot of, not just my actual time, but my emotional energy would be sucked in by these people, you know, just waiting for them to say yes. And then they would come back to me and ask for more information and I would give it to them. And I eventually learned that some of these people are never going to close for various reasons. There's a lot of different reasons that I will not close them. You know, maybe they're just being nice to me. Maybe their corporation isn't you know, they don't have authority. They're not the decision maker in their corporation. Maybe they're just the type of person who can't decide, like, you know, unless they're really pushed to make a decision. So I found a better strategy is I go to that person on the first meeting and I say, here's, you know, here's what we do, blah, 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 blah. You know, I want to work with you. You know, we'd love to have you as a client. Here's what we do. And that first meeting, they can look back at me and they can say, uh, yes, but usually it doesn't happen. Usually a lot of times they want, you know, more information. They want to think about it. Okay. So I let them call them back in the second meeting. We meet again. And then in the second meeting, especially if it's a larger organization, not an individual who's the customer, I would say, you know, before we meet the second time, can you make sure to have anybody else who's involved in the decision-making in the room? You need to understand this. Like you need to get all the people there to make the decision. And then you give them every answer, all the questions, give them all the information. And at the end of that meeting, you basically say, is there anything else you need? And if they say no, say, well, you have all the information. Now you push for the close, right? You say, uh, can we work together? What, let's set a timeline. You know, can, can we get this going? If they are undecided, you need to give them a deadline. So you give them a deadline. You say, okay, well, you know, think this over, discuss this, but I'm really busy. I have a lot going on. My schedule is going to fill up. I've reserved this time for you. If you can't do it, uh, please let me know by the end of next week. You just set a deadline, not too far in the future, but just far enough to give them enough time to actually make the decision, but no more. Then you wait. Now, if they want to meet with you a third time, <laughs> You need to say in your head, this is the last meeting I'm having with them. Like I've given them all the information. I've given them the deadline. I'll meet with them one more time. If they can't commit on this time, I'm not meeting with them again. And I will tell you, pushing for a no, like you go into the third meeting and you have the no, because you're like saying, they probably don't want to be my client. Like I've done this all before with them already twice. And so you go into the third meeting, actually... This is your highest chance of closing 
it, it, most meet, most clients, you know, it's hard to close the first meeting. You can close the second, third meeting. You have a high chance and you have to know in your head that after this third meeting, the chance of you ever closing a deal with this client drops off exponentially. So you have to go into the strongest position is to go in this meeting and say, you know, um, in, just reverse the table. Say, if, if they aren't ready, if, they, if they're ready to sign, you sign. If they're not ready, you say, okay, I understand. You don't, you aren't able to do this deal. That's fine. Um, I am, you know, basically I'm going to move on. You guys, um, uh, you'll probably have to find somebody else if you come in later, because I'll just be book solid. It doesn't, you know, I don't want to, the bottom line is you don't have time for people who are just going to lead you on and on and on. When you push for a no like this, you will be surprised. People will suddenly start pushing for a, for a yes. They will want to, you to say yes, meaning they will want you to, to, to figure out how they can work with you. If they think you're going away and you're not coming back, that is the best way to close a deal. And if they don't close it, then I will tell you, you haven't lost anything by walking away. You literally um, haven't, the chance of them closing would be almost zero. That is fascinating. So I have two things going on in my head as I was listening to you. I came out of a Fortune 500 world where we dealt with multi-million dollar sales deals, right? <laughs> so we were working with people with very long sales cycles. And now as, as an entrepreneur for the last 21 years, I deal with people who really have the ability to decide within a matter of seven days. And so I have these two scenarios in my head listening to you talk that through. And I was realizing like, is this a, you know, let's, let's put the big, you know, the long uh, sales cycles on the, on the side for now and just talk about people who really have the ability to say yes. They have the capacity to buy and they're co coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. Is, do you think that's because there's a lack of knowledge that's being transferred or a lack of like establishing value? Or do you think it's just simply like people like to push the boundaries and see how much <laughs> they can get before you kind of toss them out and say, this isn't a good fit? It's, a, it's different in different scenarios. In your job as you know, running your own business, uh, closing deals, your job is to figure this out at the earliest opportunity. So like you said, if it's a big corporation with long sales cycle, you have to adjust what I said. I, cater, I, I focused on what I said, assuming that the, the listener out there is running a small business or even a medium-sized business where the customers can come in and make decisions you know, fairly fast. If you're selling to big corporate clients, um, yeah, it's going to take longer, but you still can use all those same strategies. Literally, they work. They just, you have to structure it differently. Um, in terms of your other question, you know, uh, you, the best thing you can do is early on when you meet with any prospective client customer is to ask the right questions and listen very carefully. It actually, your chance of closing a deal goes way up the more information you gather, not the more information you impart. Like most people think sales is all about convincing them or giving them lots of information. And I say, no, like it's the opposite. This is what I learned. It doesn't matter. You can usually sum up your business in, in one or two sentences if you've been doing it, right? So that people understand. You don't need to go on and on. And you can do some stuff like why we're better than the competition and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, they if they have a need, they already kind of understand what you do. So your sales pitch isn't, isn't going to be that relevant. 
what's really going to be important for you as the person trying to get this deal done is figuring out what they want, what their concerns are. Is there information that they need to make this decision? And so I said earlier, and I hinted at this, but I didn't elaborate because I wanted to stay focused on the, the no idea. But um, they, you want to ask, is there any more information you're needing? Why aren't you making a decision? Like, why haven't you, uh, 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 you know, said yes already to me? You want to figure that out. So when you, the first time you meet with them, you can literally put it on the table and say, what do you need to make this decision? What, what, can, what, what information do you need? Um, anything else that you need to say yes. So you get that from them right away. And then every time you meet with them, they supposedly, if they give you everything they need to say yes, and they still aren't saying yes, you need to ask why. Like, I, I, we, you know, we talked earlier about you need X, Y, and Z in order to make a decision. Now, you haven't made a decision. Is there, is there a reason? So figuring that out is really important. As soon as you figure out that, you know, some people will shop around. They need to shop around. You're just like, okay, go shop around and come back to me later. Like I gave you everything. You know, that's um, other people. Uh, some people you'd be surprised. They just aren't going to ever make a decision. They aren't actually, they don't actually really need what you're selling. Like do you think they need what you're selling. They say they need what you're selling, but they don't really. And they aren't, they aren't going to be a client. They're going to be really they're just, they're curious. They want you to convince them that you, that they should need what you want, but they don't really feel the need. And there's a big difference on that. So some people want to figure out whether they need it or not. And they're just talking to you and using up time, trying to figure out. And basically if they're trying to figure it out, they usually don't really need it because if you really need it, you know it right away. Like you are going to make that buy. If you really need something, you are going to make that buying decision like no matter what, within a very short period of time, because you really need it. Those are the customers you want. You don't want the customers who sort of need your product. They're going to suck up a lot of your time. And, and, and in most cases, they won't pay off. Definitely, they won't pay off proportional to the amount of time you have. So prospecting customers is really about uh, finding uh, the people who have the strong need and then zeroing in on them. Hmm. Well said. And, and so I'm assuming in a way what you're doing is you're getting inside your customer's head by asking the right questions. Is there other ways we can get inside their head and really figure out what their, I, I guess for lack of a better word, is like what their buying criteria really is? There's many ways to get inside a customer's head. So number one is to just listen to them and ask a lot of questions. That's the easiest way. Like if you're in front of them, do it. You can uh, look at their business and see what type of business they run. Doing your homework pays off, right? What, what, what type of business they are? Does it map with the type of businesses that buy from you? Or, or is there a contradiction there? Like, is, are they not the type of customers you usually serve? What you can talk, you can ask to talk to their colleagues. So if they have more than one person in the thing, getting another data point is really good. Like you can figure stuff out talking to other people. You may find out they're not even the decision maker. Like sometimes at these companies, somebody will want to be respected and want to you to feel like they're the decision maker, but they're not. Like somebody else is the actual decision maker in that company. And again, you might be wasting your time. So um, there are a lot of uh, different things you can do. Um, one of the most important things you can do, and it doesn't really get you inside your head, but it does get the right customers. 
are putting up filters. So a lot of people uh, will, you know, even small businesses will do keyword advertising out there. They'll get a bunch of leads or they get random leads from their website. But instead of just allowing those leads to come in unfiltered, uh, put up a way to filter them. Either questions on your website that you ask right up front, like on the contact form. It's a super easy way, right? On the contact form, figure out which questions you need to ask right up front to see which ones you should prioritize to actually respond to. That gets inside your customer's head because literally you're, uh, that questionnaire, you're forcing them to get, show you what they, really, what they really want, what they really need. Now you can't have too many questions or you're gonna turn people off, but you need just the right questions. It might be three questions that you actually ask. Do you have a budget allocated for this? What's your time frame? You know, um, why do you need this? You know, three simple questions like that can work wonders in your business because suddenly you realize, oh, they have no time frame. They have no budget, <laughs> you know, and they can't even articulate why they need it. Look, then they're definitely out. So as you're talking, what I'm realizing is a lot of this is like pushing that no is um, how could you ask those questions before you start investing a lot of time with these clients, right? Like, how do you ask the right questions and protect your time? Like, yeah. how do you protect your time? Like, I'm curious for what works for you, yeah, Captain the Hoff. <laughs> the earlier you say can say no, the better. Honestly, like if you can get to that no, you know, right out without even talking to them, boo, you've just saved yourself 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. It depends how long you talk to potential customers, but you saved yourself a huge amount of time. If you can automate it so that they just sign up and pay you on your site, you've saved a huge amount of time. And then the ones who have more questions and they seem like strong leads, they really have, uh, you, you know, you vetted them, you, they've answered a bunch of your questions online then you can dedicate your time to talking to them. Some of those things uh, we do at Founderspace when I work with people. Other, what we do, we tend to want a lot of information up front. So we, we incubate startups, we incubate companies. So a lot of them will want to have a meeting with me right off the bat uh, because they, you know, I'm a public figure. They've heard of me, they've read my books. So I get a lot of incoming people saying, you know, I, I just want to talk to you for 15 minutes or half an hour. Well, I don't have time. And Almost none of those calls actually go for 15 minutes. It's really hard to keep them down to 15. They go to half an hour, an hour. And, you know, I just don't have enough hours in the day because so many people coming at me. So I do it in a number of ways. I, um, you know, I have them send me their business plan online. Um, we have a, a system for vetting those out very quickly and figuring out which ones really fit our model. So it has to work like with your model. Like if they want a service that we aren't able to provide, we don't do it. I also get other leads for like different types of deals all around the world that my company may be working on, founder space. And a lot of times up front, we'll just, we got to the point where we were getting so many inbound inquiries from partners overseas. We were just like, here are our terms. Like, this is how we work. If you can't work this way, uh, just tell us now because we don't want to spend, you know, the next two weeks trying to figure out whether we work together. But laying it out up front, we would, a lot of people would just go away, but we we're like, fine. You know, that we, you know, if they can't pay up front, if they can't do uh, certain things when they're overseas, you know, we don't want to get mired in that. So we do a, basically all the same things I'm telling you to do right now are things that I had to learn the hard way to actually manage my own time. Yeah, that's good advice. Really good advice. And, and again, it all, our greatest asset is 
time. I wanted to circle back to something you said and bring a point home for the Amplify community here. As you're listening in, um, when we're talking about saying no, saying no as early as you can, I'm going to assume that some of our listeners might get a little triggered. It's like, but I need the money. Uh, there is a huge mindset shift in being willing to say no to the wrong clients who will ultimately suck you dry (laughs) and will drain your creativity, drain your enthusiasm, drain your motivation, and or just simply like as Captain Hoff is talking about here, like kind of pull you away from the things that only you can do to grow the business. And so this is really, this is a mindset and a practice that's very powerful that Captain Hoff is laying out here. Captain Hoff, do you have a resource that would make sense for our audience to uh, get to really go deeper into all the ways you help startups thrive? We do. So we have an online startup program which is a lot of me talking about all the different elements of doing a startup. And they can sign up for that. We have two ways, right? So we have a paid membership for people who are earning good amounts of money, but then anybody who is low income, who is struggling can sign up for free. We like don't turn anybody down. So uh, our goal is to help. So if you uh, go to Founderspace and click on Founderspace slash founderspace.com slash startup. You will see it there. And if you don't have money, just sign up for free. If you want to try it out first, you can sign up for free and see if it's worth it to you. So that's one way. And we have a lot of free videos on our site uh, from myself, from people we work with, really uh, focused on helping entrepreneurs. Hmm. And you mentioned something about people who buy your new book, Surviving a Startup. Yes. You, so yes. if, yes. So if you, my new book just came out, HarperCollins published it. It has, a, you know, decades of wisdom of mine, you know, crammed in. It's really a useful book. It's not like there's just one idea. There are thousands of ideas for your business in there. Um, so if you uh, purchase uh, my book, we will actually uh, give you either our online startup program or our innovation program at no cost. Like, so we, you, you can do it. So you just basically send us the receipt and you got it. Oh, that's very generous. I highly recommend uh, any Amplify listeners who are really wanting to take themselves from startup to mega success, like, or even just, you know, really like get your startup working, right. Get funding, whatever that next step is for you. Uh, take advantage of this, get the book, absolutely get the book and take advantage of these great resources that Captain Hoff's making available. This has been so insightful. I love the way you think about sales and pushing that no boundary. I want to circle back a little bit though, and get to know you a little bit more on a personal level and like some of the choices you've made that helped you get where you are today. I always like to ask our guests, what is the boldest thing you've ever had to do to get to the success you have today? The boldest thing that I ever had to do was literally uh, force myself onto stage, right? Center stage, because I, as I mentioned before, I was a very shy person. So not only could I not do sales, I couldn't do public speaking at all. I was just terrible. So the boldest thing I ever did is at this big conference, really not being a public speaker at all. I just, I just made myself sign up as a speaker. I went out there and you know what? 
I did an awful job. Like I was terrible. Like I was really bad. But uh, by doing that, taking that bold step and being uh, not being afraid to be awful and then doing it again and again and again and again, each time I got a little better and eventually I became pretty decent at talking, pretty uh, experienced. It became second nature. That's a great example. No one said that yet. So I love that you brought us something new for all of our Amplify community. They get nervous about speaking. Yeah, a lot of us get started with very fearful, <laughs> like getting on stage experiences. My first speaking, I was in a crowd of 500 plus people and I had zero idea what I was doing. I was terrified. And believe it or not, I am not really great uh, you know, it takes me a while to learn a new skill. So I made a lot of those missteps too. So that I, yeah. I was in good company then with Captain Hoff here. <laughs> Were you going to say something? It, it only took me, it only took me 10 years. So <laughs> it only took me 10 years to learn how to public speak. That's right. Oh yeah. It is not for most of us an overnight sensation. It's, it's a lot of hard work and practice. Okay. Second question and our wrap up question here. Uh, if you look back from where you are today, Back to the very beginning when you started your businesses, what's one thing you wish you would have done sooner that would have helped you had more success or fulfillment along the way? The biggest thing I could have done sooner is under spending more time understanding the market, really going deep on what competitors are out there, what they're doing, where the market is headed. So in my early businesses, I tended to just do what I felt passionately about. I was like, I feel passionately about this. I will do it. And no matter what, there's something to be said for that. You know, you go out there in the world and you try stuff and you fall flat on your face and it doesn't work and you get up and you try again. But a much smarter approach is to actually look at the trends that are just happening right now. And where are the big opportunities? So just because you know how to do something, and just because you want to do something doesn't mean it will be a great business. So those are entirely different things. It may be a great business, but it, uh, there's a good chance it won't. So figure out where the great business opportunities are and then imagine yourself, even if you don't have the skills, being in that role. What would it take for you to take advantage of this opportunity? If I had done that earlier in my career, I would have been successful earlier in my career, much more successful earlier on. So um, I'll send you the check later for that one because that's one a point I'm always trying to bring home. <laughs> so I couldn't have paid you enough money to share that one, but I didn't, I swear, I didn't pay him anything to say that. <laughs> no, but I'm working I pro bono. <laughs> I so agree. I fought that one tooth and nail for so long. And the minute I dropped into that, uh, it, a lot of things are working a lot better. So I, that would, that would be one of mine. I, I would add too. So Captain Hoff, you are amazing. I, I just think you have so many beautiful gems of wisdom that we can all learn from. I really recommend as you're listening in today, head over to, uh, Captain Hoff's website. We'll post it up in the show notes, grab his book, Let's give them some love and support. We always uh, could use a great rush of book sales to help us get those books in more hands. And 
we may be getting him in our Amplify Your Authority Facebook group. So maybe we'll get him to do a little bit more shares when the episode goes live. So make sure you look for him over in the Facebook group as well. Captain Hoff, thanks so much for joining me today. I've gotten so much value out of our conversation. This has been a great show. You're a wonderful host. I love what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com, and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 